Welcome to the Living to 100 Club podcast. Here's our host, Dr. Joseph Cassiani. Well, hello to everyone joining us today on our podcast. You're listening to one of our successful aging episodes this month on the Living to 100 Club program. And I'm your host, Joe Cassiani. Each week, our guests educate and inspire, helping you get the best out of all the years we're given, regardless of what obstacles come our way. Today's podcast is about yoga and how to incorporate it into our daily routines and weave it into our day. Our guest is Jenny McGoy, certified yoga instructor. We discuss the six main areas where yoga can be a benefit, especially for the 55 and over age group. These are strength, balance, stretching, proprioception, which refers to awareness of where our body is in space, breath work, and meditation. Where can we do this practice if we don't have time for a long class or we prefer to avoid group classes? Jenny will offer practical tips and recommendations as well as how to tailor or customize a particular practice for individual needs. Be sure to join us. A little background first on Jenny. Jenny McGoy is a certified yoga instructor and movement instructor specializing in 50 and over age group, beginners, and those living with persistent pain. She's known for customizing her sessions to each unique body, so every participant experiences the benefits of stretching, strengthening, balance work, breath work, and guided meditations. A recent transplant from the Washington, D.C. area, Jenny is a mom of four and lives in Carlsbad with her husband, teenage daughters, and dog who prefers to nap on Joni's yoga mat. Of course. (laughs) Welcome to our program. Glad to have you with us today. Thanks, Joe. I'm really excited to be here. Great, great. I always like to open by asking our guests to share with us kind of the journey that brought you to where you are today. I touched on your background, of course, but maybe the highlights of how you came to be where you are today. Okay. Uh, I did not know anything about yoga until I was about 45 years old. Hmm. Maybe had heard of downward facing dog, (laughs) but that's about it. Just somehow did not know about it at the time. So this is about 10 years ago. I was raising four children. My husband traveled a lot. I am an anxious person by nature. Hmm. So life was rather chaotic and my brain was rather chaotic. And so I was looking for something else to add to my toolbox of ways to deal with the stress of life. So I stumbled into a yoga class. It was a power yoga class. Mm. (laughs) Um, And I actually fell in love with it. And it's been a part of my life ever since. I did my first teacher training in power yoga. Um, This was in Sterling, Virginia, with a wonderful studio there. Uh, But graduated, but pretty quickly figured out that that wasn't the style that was going to best suit my body. And then the people that were looking for yoga, who I knew, um, weren't looking for that so much either. I was, you know, my mid forties at the time. So I decided to open my own space. I wasn't a gym person. So I didn't go try teaching at a gym. I opened my own space in my house in Virginia. 
And the people that kept finding me said, I'd love to try it, but I've had a hip replacement. Or I don't, I can't do yoga. I'm in a much larger body mm-hmm. or I'm 60 years old. Da, 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 da. So I quickly had to do several trainings to make sure mm-hmm. I could provide the right experience for these folks. Did that very successfully for a few years. Pandemic hit. Don't need to say too much more about that. Uh, the family decided to relocate here to California just to, in a pursuit of a, you know, better quality of life sure. and have been slowly building up a business here. Lots of yoga in the San Diego area. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. Yeah. yeah. But I haven't found a whole lot for people who aren't your typical yogi, who aren't, you know, in their 20s, who aren't particularly bendy. Uh, and that's where I come in. Uh, and then that, even more specifically, I, I just really, really love working with seniors. So that's where I am today. Sure, sure. So you have a practice, you have a yoga practice. Tell us about the types of clients that you have, maybe where you are, how often you offer classes. Okay. Uh, I I used to have a studio in my home. I was very spoiled, but I have shifted my house here, Southern California, real estate's considerably more expensive than the DC area. So I didn't have space here. So I am now a primarily a traveling yoga instructor. I travel all through North County. Uh, I teach at Carlsbad City Parks mm-hmm. uh, for those classes are typically for a little bit younger folks, um, but I do have people in their 70s in those classes. I go to various retirement communities where I have a range of people who are still very, very active. Uh, I quickly learned that, you know what, just because you may look like a senior or your age says 55, 60 plus, doesn't mean that they aren't extremely physically fit. Uh, And many of them are. So luckily, I've got all that you know, kind of power yoga background where I can give them plenty of challenge mm. too. But in these retirement communities, I also have folks that are in a wheelchair and do not get out of the wheelchair. So I work with them as well. We're all in one class most of the time. So it takes a lot of quick, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, okay, you're standing and you can do this. Yeah. You're not standing. I still want you to be able to do something. I also have right now one class and I'm looking to branch out further uh, at a skilled nursing facility where most of the patients are in various stages of dementia. And so that's been a challenge, but also incredibly gratifying when um, I'm able to work with them and, and I get a smile mm-hmm. or I get some them to, you know, they're able to move their shoulders or we do a a brief guided meditation and they can be right there and vocalize very clearly, you know, what we're talking about. So it really, it runs the range. I group classes, but also I love working one-on-ones, particularly when I'm dealing with folks that have had a, you know, living with a persistent pain issue or, or who have had some sort of body part replaced. So that really works very well one-on-one at least to start. Yeah, making those adjustments. I I like what you said earlier there about, you know, not being able to uh, determine much from the person's age, the chronological age. That that number keeps getting us into trouble, I think, more and more. So let's get that CA out of the picture and just look at functional ability. For sure. Yeah. You you, you took some advanced classes then in training for Mm -hmm. working with some of these maybe age-related uh, disabilities, maybe the chronic pain or arthritis, or maybe mm-hmm. you know, being wheelchair-bound. So 
What kind of, I know this is a broad question, but what kind of adjustments or what are some of the considerations for this older age group have you had to make? There are many. I'll first say I consider myself a bit of a bag lady because when I travel, I bring multiple bags full of what are called yoga props. Mm -hmm. I have yoga blocks, blankets, yoga straps, tennis balls, resistance bands. Uh, I have all of that that I will try my best to bring to the various people I work with. But I also tell people, you don't have to go buy that stuff if we're working one-on-one. And for some reason, I, I don't know why I wouldn't have the things with me. But you know, if you don't have um, a yoga strap, you can use the belt from your bathrobe. Uh, if you don't have a yoga block, you, if you've got yourself a real sturdy plastic container or um, maybe a stair, you know, your bottom step that you can step on. So I do like to stress to folks, you you don't have to go buy a bunch of fancy stuff, but there are lots of ways uh, to customize to each person's mm-hmm. needs. I also, though, want to say I don't I, I'm very careful with my language because I don't want people to be afraid to move. Because I'm sure you know, in your work, as soon as someone's afraid, I'm afraid I'm going to fall, I'm afraid I'm going to hurt this, that sets a mindset sure. where you're much less likely yeah. to try something. So yeah, it spills over into a lot of different behaviors, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. So I like to, yeah, we'll talk about, all right, you've had a recent hip replacement. Mm-hmm. First of all, what did your doctor say? Is there anything you're not supposed to do? And if not, that gives me a lot of information. If someone comes to me and hasn't seen a doctor, say they're just living with a pain issue. Oh, my shoulder hurts. Oh, I've got this, you know, shooting pain. Da, 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 da. They would love for me to be able to tell them, I think, because it's easier. But I don't. I know my place. I know my scope of work. And it, I immediately say, please see your healthcare provider. I like to partner with various physical therapists. Uh, you know, perhaps a chiropractor, what have you, occupational therapist, um, and direct them there and say, please get this checked out by a doctor or a healthcare provider. And then once you know what you're working with, then come see me. Yeah. I've done enough anatomy trainings that I'm pretty well versed. Uh, if someone says, um, I'm not supposed to flex my spine. I know, I know what they're talking about. Um, so, but my language is, positive. <laughs> I try to like, for example, on, and we might get to this later when I'm one-on-one with someone. Yes. We talk about what you've had replaced or what hurts, what the doctor has said, but then I like to say, well, what feels good? What, yeah. what feel, what movement do you take during your day that feels good or what can we try? So to try to, you know, look at the whole person, not focus so much if we don't have to on what hurts, <laughs> mm-hmm. but focus a little bit on what feels good and how yeah. can you continue to build yeah. on that. Yeah, yeah, thanks. That, that makes a lot of sense because um, we do want to rule out what I would call uh, malignant pain, you know, that because there there are instances where there is a real serious cause or precipitating factor to the pain. So you that's smart to, you know, <laughs> want to rule that out first. So then you can work with, you know, your other approaches. So you make some of these adjustments for the chronic pain for someone who's, like we said, wheelchair bound or uh, mm-hmm. maybe struggling with certain types of flexibility or stretching or strength related activities. So yeah, let's, um, let's jump into you know, the, the, we've talked about six areas that you like to focus on, you know, and I mentioned in the intro. So let's, let's start with strength. What's important when you approach somebody to help with uh, strength, maybe, you know, increasing 
muscle mass or whatever's going on. What what are your approaches to help with that strength issue? There's a lot of buzz about strength in the movement community, and I think rightly so. Uh, With my typical demographic, we are starting to lose muscle mass as we age. It's a function of aging. It's a function of perhaps sedentary lifestyle. Mm. Most people don't look at yoga and say, I could do some strengthening. They will typically say, well, I go to yoga for stretching or for breath work. And yes, absolutely. Those are good things. But I, again, am dealing with the age groups that I deal with, and I'm in that, I'm 52. (laughs) So I am in that age group or very close to it. There are very creative ways you can incorporate strengthening into a yoga practice. The first is to use your body weight by shifting it certain ways you can make certain areas of your body heavier and and strengthen that way. A, a one small example would be a standing balance pose. If you are putting all of your weight on one leg to challenge your balance, you're shifting all that weight there. And so you do have an opportunity to strengthen a little. And this is where it's important for someone who's hoping to help people with strength. You've got to progressively build that up to more strength. And eventually your body weight's going to you're going to max out. Your body's going to be like, hey, I've got that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I know how to manage that 200 pounds, whatever it is Mm -hmm. that you're standing on. So that's when I bring in little dumbbells, Mm -hmm. hand weights. You could bring in a water bottle, a water bottle filled with sand. We can get really creative with what that progressive load or weight looks like. And you can do many, many of your yoga poses. So you're you're mindful, you're present, you're breathing, but hey, let's kick it up a little bit and add a little, you know, a dumbbell. Now, I don't work with people like a personal trainer would in a gym where we're benching for bench pressing and all that kind of, uh, you know, massive loads. Then I, I will turn them over <laughs> to those professionals, but there's de- there are definitely ways to strengthen the core. Everybody's talking about the core. Mm. Uh, there are ways you can do that in a, in a yoga practice. We do plank in yoga. Mm. We do crunches, but a little bit differently than maybe what most people envision. And there are customizations. Someone listening might say, oh, plank, forget it. Mm. There's no way. Or push up, forget it. I like to start where I know everybody can do something. So for example, with plank, you start with on your hands and knees mm-hmm. and you walk your knees back and maybe you leave your knees there. That might be just enough to get those abdominal muscles um, activated. And then maybe over time, you curl those toes under and you come into mm. a full plank or you add some weight or there's the wall. Probably my favorite prop. Yeah. Yoga prop is the wall. Go stand at your wall, step your feet back with your hands on the wall, get yourself in one nice long line. There's your plank pose. And mm-hmm. then we can build from there. Walk your hands further down the wall. That's going to be harder. You're putting more of your body weight. So I like folks to know that you can do yoga. You can strengthen in yoga. And I've got a whole bunch of tools. Uh, to start with, my folks that are in a wheelchair, they're not, you know, going to have probably the strongest abdominal muscles on the planet. However, I can get them to challenge their glutes by mm. you know, squeezing and releasing. I can have them squeeze their thighs. Yeah, that's all kind of 
right around in that the you know in the torso area there. So they can build a little bit of strength too, whether or not they are going to need it, you know, for day to day life. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. I, I love the the notion of the progressive moves, starting with the, for the plank, for example, on all fours and gradually moving those knees. But I think that's smart. And we build up increased tolerance and eventually we're able to advance to getting the knees off the off the floor. And yeah, that's good. And again, using the wall. So uh, that's perfect. And how about balance? That's number two. What, what do you, uh, how do you incorporate some approaches to improve our balance? Another super important part mm-hmm. of life as we age. Our eyesight is not perhaps as good as it was, hmm. um, you know, so there are a variety of reasons we we need to make sure we continue to not just keep the balance that we have, but maybe challenge it further hmm. so that we're, you know, we trip on a rug, you can catch yourself, you wobble a little bit stepping off a sidewalk. So yeah, balance is right up there with strength. Anyone who's gone to a yoga class and didn't like challenging their balance, it may have been because they were in a room full of 50 people and they were standing with no support whatsoever and they were told to stand on one leg. That can be way too much for folks. So again, considering my population in general, we'll start at the wall or we'll start with a chair near us and know that it's there. Maybe you even have to use it, but let's you know, put a hand on that wall, put a hand on that chair, and now stand on one leg. Mm. Start there. Does that seem doable? Can you come up onto your fingertips on that chair Mm. or on that wall? Doable? Can you take your hand away from the wall for a second, knowing that it's there? So again, it's a progressive, I want people to feel successful. And then boy, if they want, if they're like, this is easy peasy, which it is sometimes for folks, will be on one leg, they will be away from any sort of support, perhaps. And I'll say, close your eyes. Well, that sends people <laughs> wobbly. Now, I only do that when I know that they're in a position where they can do it. I'm not in the business yeah. of like making people fall down. But ways you can incorporate that into your daily life. I love to tell people when you're brushing your teeth in the morning, you've got a counter, most likely your bathroom counter right there. Shift your weight onto one leg as you're brushing. Keep a hand near the counter and then see if you can take your hand off the counter. You're right there. You've got support. If you need it, you're multitasking. You're getting one of your daily things done during the day. Maybe it's when you're doing dishes in the kitchen sink. Anything where you've got some support if you're concerned um, about falling, but where you can continue to challenge yourself. And I, yeah, I've got the, I run the gamut because I have folks that, Maybe they don't stand either. <laughs> okay, mm. if they're in a wheelchair, we can still work on some leg strength while we're here. You know, we can we can get some movement. Um, so anything from those folks to someone who wants to take the most challenging balance pose, I'll find a way to challenge it because I do think that's important. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, because as you said, we can all stand on two feet and, you know, we have relatively little problem with balance in in the main but then when we challenge it when we push ourselves a little bit yeah, I, I love these exercises by the way I, I think they're great so if we stop these exercises do we lose that kind of grounding or i mean when does it wear out if we stop it or should we always be doing it i think we should always be doing it okay good 
Uh, I haven't scientifically tested to see, Mm. but I do know when folks have been away for a while, say they were on vacation, say they just took a break Mm. and they come back, certainly they feel you know, tight and all that kind of stuff, let maybe a little less yeah. strong, but the other balance gets affected too, yeah. which is why my approach is usually ways you can incorporate it into your day-to-day life. So if you yeah. know you're going to be away for a while, you can't make it to class, you can't do a private session, what have you, here are some things you can do at home so that you can continue. It's pretty easy uh, to find ways as you are moving through life to do all of these things, strengthening, challenging your balance, uh, all of it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that's key because that's people are more likely to do it. You just, it, I think it's hard. I mean, I have some diehard folks that come to class every week or they want to do a private session you mm-hmm. know, as often as possible, but that's not realistic for everyone. So I want to make sure, hey, if you can't do that, here are things you can do at home, they take very short periods of time. You don't have to spend an hour working on your balance mm-hmm. <laughs> every sure, day. Sure. So I like to be practical. Yeah. And and I, I really appreciate what you said about how this translates to our everyday behaviors, because we might be practicing our balance exercise or activity, and it really does translate into walking on an uneven surface or walking on, you know, maybe a slope that we're not accustomed to or a steep curb something like that. It's a sample of how it applies outside of that exercise room, right? So uh, that's, that's, what that's what we're talking about. It's improving this function so it so it can translate into bigger, more important areas. Yeah. Exactly. That At least that's my approach. Mm-hmm. I want people to feel better when they leave me, but also to continue to feel better and continue to do things later. I think that's what a a teacher ultimately is there for. It's not just so that they can do everything in the classroom or the yoga studio, but it's to take it into life. I'll give you a brief example of how I was challenged. I like to work on mobility. I don't think we um, put that on our our list, but arm mobility, neck mobility, ankle mobility came into practice for me. Uh, we do, I work a lot with people with, you know, pointing, flexing, circles. You can add weight to that. Good mobility helps with your balance, uh, helps with how, where you know you are in space. Well, I was going hiking with my family recently and we were in this, on this hill and there was this trench and I had to walk on the inside arches of my feet mm. to make my way down. Not a typical way that you would walk, but because I do do that when I'm practicing my own yoga or when I'm working with people, we do. We should we practice shifting our weight onto the inner arches, the outer arches, all the ways. My ankles were like, okay, yeah, you can do that because you're used to doing that. You've been doing that pretty regularly. Um, challenging yourself to do that. So that was a real practical example of if I hadn't ever been taking my feet that way, yeah. turning them in and walking on the inner arches of my feet. Oh, I don't think that hike, at least that part of the hike would not have been very fun. No, we couldn't do it for very long. That's for sure. Yeah. It's like running on a beach. That's got a, a steep slope to it. And that's hard. Um, one foot is fine, but the other foot where you're, you know, taxing your, your, your arch support, that's harder. Mm-hmm. Right? Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. 
we have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-494-8310. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-494-8310. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-494-8310. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Yeah. So what about stretching? And that's what we think of, of course, when we talk about yoga and stretching every day. How do we incorporate some of these activities? I like to think of moving your spine in all of the directions Hmm. when you can once a day. I I make sure I do that in every class, uh, every session that I work with with a person. So that would be folding forward. That can be if the doctor says it's okay. I did have a, a, a student with osteoporosis in her spine. Now her doctor said, I don't care what you do. He, he unfortunately was very hands-off in terms of what she should or shouldn't do. I studied osteoporosis, so I knew what I thought was appropriate. And for, for her, for forward folds, we took them slightly. We didn't completely eliminate it because when you tell someone to completely eliminate a movement from their life, how are you going to do that? Mm. Is she never going to bend over and tie her shoes? Mm. No, she's going to bend over some, Mm. but we did it slightly and mindfully. So that's one example. One way to take the spine can be a nice stretch for the back. You take a back bend. That's the second movement of the spine. All of a sudden you're stretching the front of the body. We do side bending, a nice stretch. It could be all the way up in the arm, down the rib cage, down the leg. My intention, over time, those muscles between the ribs, your intercostal muscles, if you give them lots of opportunities to stretch, they can lead to better breathing because you're Mm. making more room. And who couldn't use better better Mm. breathing? (laughs) So we will take the spines side to side. And then twisting. So many people have back pain. And from what I've studied, and it's primarily low back pain. From what I have learned, that discomfort, that pain in the low back can sometimes be due to stiffness in the thoracic, the mid back where your ribs are. So we will focus when I work with folks on gentle, mindful, slow, you know, twisting. If it hurts, maybe we don't do that today. Um, but those are good movements. We don't also don't twist much in our day-to-day life. I mean, maybe, I was going to say, maybe when you back out of the driveway, but nowadays with the cameras <laughs> in the cars, you don't even have to turn around to back out of your driveway right. with your car. Um, so, and then the last one is growing taller through the crown of the head. Some folks will say that that is actually a spinal movement. And you're basically trying to invite some space, some stretching between the vertebrae of your spine. Um, and that might lead to a little bit better posture uh, and maybe lead to a little bit better, better breathing. So, yes, stretching in all the ways is mm-hmm. is a good thing. Does everything stay all stretched out after you do it? Absolutely not. <laughs> you come back. <laughs> That's the nature of 
of how the body works. You're not going to stretch something and it's not going to stay all stretched out. So that's that's why repetitively, you know, frequently doing it, even if it's just for like five breaths, mm. um, but frequently can be really good. So those those are some of the examples. Yeah, no, great. I you know, I hope our listeners are taking taking notes because <laughs> these are perfect tips and things that we can do throughout our day. You know, I had a physiologist, um, um physical therapist who was on my program last year and he talked about stretching and the benefits of stretching. He talked about the um how when we hold these positions, the synovial fluid moves around in our joints and it really helps us to stay flexible and loose and remove some of the pain because when we make those moves, it's almost like more lubrication in our joints. So that was a, just a real eye opener for me. And he's, he or she is, is absolutely right. As we age though, you don't make more synovial mm. fluid. Mm. You're only given so much. I think now this is outside of my expertise, but I believe the injections that people get in their knees and and such, um, I think is trying to imitate synovia fluid. Please don't quote me on that, but I think, but, um, but yes, by moving, I, we do a lot of movement, moving of the joints to not create more of that fluid, but at least like you just said, lubricate, keep what we got going because it's mm. all we're gonna <laughs> it's all we're given oh, naturally sure. you don't make more very very good point yeah hips keep those hips moving knees yeah. moving all of it yeah, yeah. good point great information great recommendations um i know we're just watching the time here but proprioception okay. again how we how we see ourselves in in our space what do we mm-hmm. what do we need to work on there it's quite fascinating if you think about if you really think about it, knowing exactly where you are, would I, that's kind of my purpose in offering some of the warrior poses in yoga, which are standing poses, Mm. putting your feet in a little bit of an unusual position, putting your arms in an unusual position Mm. to challenge you to pay attention. Where is my arm right now? Where is my foot right now? I don't know how consciously we do that throughout our day, but I think over time, bringing that attention by putting the body in these certain, you know, unusual positions to to the degree you are able, uh, it starts to train the brain to think, okay, you know, I, say my 88-year-old dad is very comfortable moving about his home. He knows where the furniture is. He knows where the rugs are. It's just automatic. But if he goes shopping somewhere or you know just outside of the space that he's very familiar with, he needs to pay attention. Mm. So, okay, what what are my surroundings? Where are my feet going? Where are my arms? You know, how, how am I holding myself up? Mm. Uh, I think it w- really serves people well, no matter what the age. You don't have to be 88 to be mm-hmm. thinking about those kinds of things. So that is what I have found by by putting people in uh, somewhat unusual, not painful, but unusual positions. I mean, mm. we don't walk around with our arms out like this mm. and we don't, you know, turn our toes in and turn the other foot out, but it's a, a great way to have greater understanding of your body where it is so that when you're out somewhere that you're not familiar with, you'll better be able to plant yourself. Yeah, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. yeah. Like we said, uh, we'll know how to apply this in another setting. That's not so familiar, right? Yeah, and not necessary to have our eyes closed when we put ourselves in these positions. Oh, 
Absolutely not. No, no, not to start. And okay. in fact, I rarely do that because some of these positions um, are, are quite a challenge just to yeah. put yourself there. It's like, yeah. what, where, which way do I put my mm. foot? How, okay. where's my knees? Okay. <laughs> so okay. no, only if I have some feisty person who, you know, really wants to, yeah. as Emerald Lagasse, you know, kick it up a notch, you yeah. know, then, then maybe I'd say, if not close your eyes, at least take your gaze to a different mm. location. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, no, typically the, to challenge that is your eyes wide open. <laughs> oh, more taxing. Okay. So maybe one limb that's in an unusual position <laughs> and then glaze the other way. Right. Right. Sure. Okay. All right. How about breath work? Um, so important, of course, but how do we incorporate breath work exercises in our day to day activities? Okay. So many opportunities. I, and again, being an anxious person, I find it a wonderful way to help calm me down, help me from spiraling into a thought process that's not helpful. The best way to start, I think, is when you wake up in the morning, sit up in bed, you don't even have to get out of bed, place one hand on your chest, one on your abdomen, take five breaths. See if you can keep your attention on noticing those breaths. The reason I suggest placing hands on your body is it does help a little bit (laughs) to concentrate. Mm-hmm. I'll say, yeah, you could say to yourself, feel the expansion when you breathe in and the softening when you breathe out. Start mm-hmm. there. Do that for a week. Five breaths when you wake up in the morning. And then there are a variety of calming breathing practices that I will teach to folks that they then bring in to their daily life. So that's your very basics. I think people get a little overwhelmed. Like, you know, you hear about alternate nostril breathing and, and that's a great one, but you know, longer exhales and count to four, seven, eight, all there's a million of them out there. But if you can't just concentrate or connect for five breaths, you're taking it too far too fast. It's like the progressiveness. (laughs) Let's start with something that's doable. Uh, I start every private session, every class with breath awareness. For example, do you know I'm sure you do, Joe, (laughs) that when you breathe in on the side body, you can feel your ribs expand and then they soften when you breathe out. Just, I did not have that awareness several years ago. Isn't that interesting? You know, we don't just breathe in the front. I'll give you one example of how it was practically used. This was a few years ago. Uh, it was a dear friend who was a yoga student, was a very committed yogi, and she had to go for an MRI. And it ended up being a closed MRI. Mm. I guess the open one was broken. She'd been practicing with me for a while. She was very, very anxious, as you can imagine, mm. <laughs> if you're in an enclosed space. Yeah, tough, oh, and yeah. she has a fear of that. She has a fear of enclosed spaces. She said, Jenny, I did my yoga breathing. I think she prayed too. So I got to give a shout out for that, for, mm-hmm. for those of you that that helps. Yeah. But she said, I concentrated on my yoga breathing, on my breath work. And I got through a closed MRI as a claustrophobic person. Wow. So it works, but it has to start with some awareness that's realistic and then slowly build. Same with meditation. Mm-hmm. Well, great, great. And meditation, the last one. Um, of course, we can have little mini episodes of meditating and we can have more expanded episodes. What do you What do you recommend? So many people are afraid of meditation because they think they need to be on this certain level where you're on a cushion and you're chanting and you can empty your mind for 30 minutes. 
And while some people can do that, and I think it's marvelous, most of us don't start there. Where I like to have people start is with a guided meditation. I love to do those at the end of a private session or at the end of a yoga class where the person just can sit or lie down. They do have to focus on listening to me talk. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that's their meditation to start. I might do some guided imagery. Perhaps we go for a walk through the forest. Perhaps we go for a walk at the beach. I will nudge them back because even with that, sometimes people's minds wander. Very normal but I'll guide them back. So I think guided meditation. And of course, there's there are apps out there, some free, some you pay for, probably a million YouTube videos. That's where I would start with meditation. The purpose of it, I in just very basic terms, is to get out of your head. I, lo- I spend so much time up here in my head. <laughs> That's a great way to remove myself from that and focus on something else. Uh, even if it's, again, five or 10 breaths, Practically, if we want to mention that briefly, take a go take a walk. See on your walk if you can concentrate on listening for bird calls. I love birds. Maybe that's where you, maybe that's your meditation is listening for the sounds of birds. And every time your mind wanders to what you have to be doing when you get back to the house, does the dog need something? Do the kids need something? You try and it does get better. You say, oh, wait a minute. I'm supposed to be paying attention to the bird sounds. Mm. You will get there. Walking, also you can concentrate just on the feeling of your feet as you walk. Just try to keep your concentration there. So there's some real, um, realistic, practical ways to get out of your head <laughs> mm. to get the benefits of meditation that aren't yet, perhaps, that 30 minutes of quiet and being at peace with the universe. Uh, it's a wonderful goal to have. I'm not there yet. I'm not sure I'll ever get there, but I can definitely do these, these brief uh, guided or you know quiet meditations. Mm-hmm. So it's a practical, it's a really good tool to have in your yeah, toolbox. Yeah. yeah. And it's very similar to practicing meditation on its own because we do wander, our mind wanders and we, you know, try to redirect and get back to that, reduce thinking and as we're walking down the street or walking to pay attention to what else is going on around us mm-hmm. and, you know, it reminds mm-hmm. me of this uh, funny line that sharon stone the actress mentioned she said you know my friend told me my mind is like a bad neighborhood i shouldn't go there alone <laughs> so, yes yeah and, and thoughts <laughs> yeah thoughts are you know oh. sometimes thinking is overrated right 100 yeah. yeah. percent. and the, yeah. the beauty of this is i would just one last thought on that is when you notice that you, you're you not paying attention, so when you say, oh, I forgot to notice my steps, or oh, I forgot to pay attention to the bird sounds, you have made tremendous progress mm. because you've, you've, one, you've interrupted wherever you just went instead of the steps or the birds, but two, you've noticed and that that'll happen and and that's progress yeah, yeah getting getting yeah. out of that bad neighborhood <laughs> yeah. yeah no that's great that's right it's the awareness of what happened and now we're redirecting so jenny uh, this has been an exceptional conversation i think it's been great and you know we great. we know a lot about yoga many people practice yoga you know faithfully and are you know very good and devoted and i think this takes it 
really to another level and helps people to incorporate some of these practices without going to a long class. And, you know, that's fine. Great classes are great. Um, studios Absolutely. are great. But I mean, my wife had a, a yoga wall put in the studio in our home and, you know, she's mm -hmm. out there and, um, you know, props and all that. So it is great. But I think your tips, your recommendations are very helpful. And I hope people, you know, are mindful of, the, you know, all the, the long list of what we can do throughout our day. These are great. Great tips. Marvelous. Yeah. Terrific. That makes me happy. That's what makes brings me great joy. If I can help in small ways to help people feel a little bit better in their bodies, in their minds, then I've had a good day. <laughs> yeah. So uh, for those people who might want to contact you, how can they do that? Best would probably be my website, mm -hmm. which is a little long and I probably should spell it. Uh, it is Jenny, J-E-N-N-I-E, McGoy, M. A-C-G-O-Y, so that's Jenny McGoy Yoga, all one long word, dot com. Yep, you can find me on the socials and LinkedIn and all that good stuff, but I think my website is probably okay. the best place to start. So they can get more information about you. They can contact you through your website if they're interested in some further coaching or, yeah. Absolutely. Great. Whether it's a group class, they want to get some of their neighbors together, they want to meet me at a park, or if there's someone that's uh, got some chronic pain going on or they're brand new to yoga uh, to work, at least initially one-on-one -on -one just to, you know, get things going. Yes, that would be the best way. You can, mm. All my contact information is there. Terrific. Terrific. Well, I encourage our listeners to do that. Uh, for today, though, it looks like we're out of time. But before we wrap up, I just want to remind our listeners to visit my website, living200.club. Sign up for my email list and download a free copy of my nine tips to make living longer enjoyable. You'll also see an option to contact me with questions and comments. I really welcome your feedback. Jenny, thanks so much for being a guest on our program today. I, I really appreciate all the good information you shared. You're most welcome. Yeah, great. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in today. Hope to see you next time. Hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform.